All right. Proverbs 22 tonight. Proverbs 22. And we're, we are in our series on the family. And uh, we've been kind of focusing in Sunday school on marriage, so I haven't really been focusing much on that, although that's a very important part of the family. I've been focusing more on kids, and we're not going to do this too much longer um, on Wednesday nights. I'm going to move into, as we get into the new year, and not the first Sunday necessarily, but as we get into the new year on Wednesday nights, we're going to start doing a series on what we believe and why. And I did this very, very early on when we first started, but there was not very many of us here than or very many of you, I should say, I was there, but um, uh, it's, it's, it's always good to go back and look at those things again. You know, there's so many people who say, I believe this, I believe that. Why? Well, because it's in the Bible. Well, where? Well, there's a verse that says something about, you know, this and that and whatever else, but you don't know why you believe what you believe about it. You know, most of us would say, well, I don't believe in this, or I believe in that, or I don't do that. Why? Why don't you do it? Why don't you believe these things? Uh, so, very important, very important. We'll get into that when we get into uh, the new year. So, uh, we're not going to stay on this too many more weeks, but uh, we have a few more important things to cover. So, Proverbs 22 and verse 6, the Bible says very simply, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Now, I hate going to the dentist. I know most of you are the same way. I know it's necessary, uh, but I always put it off. I, it's the last thing I want to spend money on, number one. And number two, um, in fact, I never went as a kid. Um, it was just one of those things that my parents overlooked. I mean, we were never sick. We never, we were never, we never went to the doctor because we didn't need to, you know. Every once in a while, somebody would, you know, gash their eyeball open or something, have to go get stitches and whatever else. But for the most part, nobody was, I mean... Very healthy, and you know nobody was ever sick or anything like that, and, and that's just kind of one of those things that got overlooked, I think. And so, um, I, you know, I waited so long, but after several years of avoiding it, I was finally forced to make an appointment with the dentist because the, the tooth pain was just too intense, you know. And I finally got sick of dealing with it, tired of dealing with always not being able to eat and everything else because you couldn't put any pressure on this tooth and that tooth and whatever else. So I finally ended up going to VCU, the dental school, and got a bunch of work done. Um, my dad's the same way as far as teeth. My front teeth, I never had braces, never had any of that kind of stuff, but my back teeth are just terrible. And, you know, just very, very soft teeth is what the dentist uh, described it as. And so... You know, they'll chip and break and everything else, and, and it didn't hurt until it gets down to the nerve, and then it's too late, because then you're in really intense pain, you know? Uh, and now I try to go every six months, or at least, at, at the very least, a year, and, um, or at the very most, a year, and, and get it worked on and stuff like that. But what, what I found out, uh, especially later on, and you know this too, that it, ultimately, in the end, it's, it's a whole lot cheaper to fix a little cavity than it is to get a whole root canal done or a whole, you know, implant done or something like that because you waited way too long. Well, it doesn't cost you very much. It doesn't, it's not a lot of pain and that kind of stuff to just get a cavity fixed, right? Um, routine checkups, routine maintenance on your teeth would have prevented all of the, the years of just dental distress, I guess you could call it, that I went through. Uh, and in the same way, kids can develop bad habits early too. And if you don't get on those bad habits when you have the opportunity to get on them and when they're young and when those habits are not that great, it's going to be very hard to break them. 
Because eventually, it's going to be like getting a, you know, it's the difference between getting a, a cavity filled and getting a whole root canal done. Um, you know, but, but engaging, as a parent, engaging those habits with, with consistent and with, you know, consistent correction, with consistent guidance, it can be tiring for a parent. And that's why a lot of times parents are just like, you know what? Forget it, whatever. I mean, they may not say that, but that's what, that's what they think. And so then these kids develop these bad habits, and they just let them go and let them go and let them go. And then they're so big, they can't take care of them. They're so big, that there's nothing that they can do to stop it. So uh, it can take a lot of thought and energy that, that can wear a parent out. And that, that's honestly why one, of the, one of the reasons why so many parents just are not consistent with discipline with their child. I just, you just got in trouble for that 15 times already today. You know, forget it. I'm not dealing with it anymore. Just go do whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm too tired, you know. Um, but, but if we leave those things unchecked, then they can grow into major problems down the line. So it's important to engage those problems now in order to save them and us from pain in the future. Uh, yes, us, because it's going to break our hearts when our children, you know, uh, don't grow up and serve the Lord. But it's going to break their hearts because they're going to be the one dealing with all the consequences of their actions and their mistakes and everything else and their choices. So... What I want to look at tonight, and, and maybe this is not the best title, but bad kid behavior issues that need to be broken early. And I, and, and I say that maybe it's not the best title because maybe not bad kid behavior. They're not necessarily bad kids. They just have behaviors that need to be broken. So bad kid behavior problems, maybe we could just say kid behavior problems that need to be broken early. I don't know, but this is what I've stuck with. So let's pray, and then we'll look at this. We want to make children that are, uh, or, or have children that grow up that are the most effective for God and for their country and as a citizen and everything else. And so these things are, they're like, like everything we've talked about for the most part, they're very practical, but they're also very spiritual at the same time. So we're going to look at some verses. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these things tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for the time we could spend together. I pray that you'd make it profitable for us, that we get some things out of this lesson tonight. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing is this, and I think this is such a big one that needs to be broken early, and that is lying. Turn over to, to, to Proverbs chapter 12. I've got a lot of different verses. I'm not going to take the time to have you turn to all of them. I'll read them to you, but lying is something that should never be tolerated. Uh, and in part because the Bible is very much against it. Um, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 9, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Psalm 119, 163, get this. God says, I hate and abhor lying. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Proverbs 12, you're right there, verse 19. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Verse 22, listen to this. We talk about a lot of things that are an abomination to God, and probably the number one that everybody likes to hammer on is homosexuality. It's an abomination to God. He hates homosexuality. Look what God says about lying in verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. As abhorrent as being a homosexual is, God is also completely abhorred in the same way with lying. If God hates it that much, then that's something that we ought to hate. It's something that we ought to be against. Look at Proverbs 13. You're probably not very far from there. Verse number five, a righteous man hateth lying. 
but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Lying is, is very dangerous because it leads, it leads to a life of secrecy. That's what happens with lying. That's where lying leads. It doesn't necessarily start there, but that's where it leads to. Uh, growth and maturity come when we deal honestly with our mistakes and with our shortcomings. Is it easier to lie? Absolutely it's easier to lie. Uh, kids figure that out real early on, don't they? Yeah, it's easier to lie because you might get out of it. You might trick somebody into thinking that, you know, you're, you're, you're telling the truth. Uh, and that's why it's so important that we teach honesty, and not just teach, but demand honesty from our children. And we're teaching our children uh, responsibility by teaching them to own up to the things that they did that were wrong. Did you do that? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's as simple as it is. You did it. You know, it's, just, it's, it's that simple. So, um, and, and when we teach our children to tell the truth and we teach them to be responsible in that way, then what they're going to grow up into, and, and others are going to see them as dependable, they're going to see them as faithful, they're going to see them as authentic, uh, and, and that trust has to be built, but that's what leads to, to healthy uh, relationships. Now, you, you've heard it said that it takes years to build a reputation and seconds to break one, right? You could spend 15, 20 years being an honest person, telling the truth, and you tell a lie one time, and now everybody says, stay away from that guy. He's a liar, right? And that's why it's so important that we, we teach that to our children. Um, it's something that needs to be stressed and driven into them. Um, you know, when, when you have a kid that's a liar, and they grow up into that, and they grow up into that whole deception and everything else, and, and look, I mean... The sad thing is they're probably not going to get caught every time because sometimes you just don't know if they're lying or not. But that's why it's so important that we drive that into our children. And our kids know that. There, there are not many things that are going to be met more harshly than, than telling a lie because everything is based on that. Right. If they're a liar, then they're, also going to be, they're probably also going to be a thief. They're probably also going to be a cheater. They're going to be undependable. They're going to, I mean, that's, a liar is about as base as you can get. And that's one of the reasons why God calls it an abomination to him. Because if you can't tell the truth, if you can't tell the truth, then what, what can you be trusted with, right. you know? And, and so that's why it's so important. That's what I'm saying. It's also, it, it's so, it is so um, practical, but it's so spiritual at the same time. I mean, look, the Bible is very much against lying. We looked at all these different things. But then you think about lying when you go to work, right? There's not many things that will get you fired from the, the police department. But one of them is lying. They catch you in a lie, you're gone. I mean, you could, you could run drugs up and down 95, and they'll be like, all right, you know, slap, slap. Don't do that. I'm kidding. They, they would, you'd get fired for that, too. But, uh, but, but there's one of the things that will get you fired the fastest is lying and having them catch you in a lie, especially when other things are are at stake. And the same thing with, with just about anybody else, you know. Why'd you get fired from your last job? Well, I lied about something. So, uh, we don't want you, you know, because who wants a liar? Nobody wants it. You can't trust them with anything. And that's why it's so important that we just, we drill that into our children. And, um, you know, lying causes separation in a family, too. When we have a kid that, that lies. I, I can't trust him. 
can't trust him with anything, you know? And now, every time I ask him something where I don't really know the answer, and he tells me something, is, is he telling the truth or not? You know, I don't know. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. So how do you, how do you get to that point? And I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. But this is, this is something that's, that's worked with us. Number one, you have to hate, teach them to hate lying, too. And the way that you do that is you make the consequences for lying so strong that they do not want to do it. Um, that they think twice about telling a lie. Um, you've, you've probably all had it happen to you growing up, but what did your parents do when you told a lie? You got whipped, number one, but what was, what was the other thing that they, that they fell back on a lot? Soap. Get your wa- mouth washed out with soap, right? Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, nobody wants to taste that soap. It's nasty and everything else, right? Um, and it's just, we don't use soap. We use, we found a thing called fooey. And uh, it's, it's actually made to keep dogs from chewing on furniture. The taste of it, I mean, it's, and it's perfectly, it's not harmful to them at all. I mean, it's obviously because dogs can, can eat it and everything else. But what it is, is you spray it on the corner of a furniture that the dog is chewing on, and the taste of it is so nasty that they will not chew on that leg. And, I mean, we're not like, open your mouth, dump this down your throat, you know, but you put on a little Q-tip, and you stick that on their tongue, ask them if they like the taste of fooey, you know? It is the nastiest stuff, but I'll tell you what, you get that a couple times, and guess what you're going to think about before you tell a lie? I don't want that. I hate lying, <laughs> you know? That's, I'm saying that's what's going through their mind, because they know the consequences are very strong for that, and that's, and that's why, because... Nobody likes a liar. Nobody likes a liar. Not even your own mother likes you if you're a liar, you know? Or at least not, she doesn't like your lying. And so it has to be met with those harsh consequences. But what you want them to think is, I better think about this for a second first. The easiest thing is to lie, but I better think about this first. And I'll tell you, one of the best ways to teach them to hate lying is to praise honesty. And I know that might sound counterproductive, but praise honesty. It's not counterproductive at all. When you find out, you know that they, I don't know, I can't even think of an example. You know, okay, did you feed the dog this morning? I was already outside. I know that the dog was not fed. Did you feed the dog this morning? No, I forgot. All right? Thank you for being honest with me. You would have gotten in trouble for not feeding the dog. But because you told me the truth, I'm not going to punish you. Go feed the dog. Right? And when you do that enough times, then what ends up happening is, well, the consequences, and it, I mean, sometimes there might be consequences for the action, even if they told the truth. But I can tell you this, the consequences for their actions are going to be a whole lot less severe when they tell the truth than they would be if they did that thing and lied about it. Because now you're getting in trouble for lying, and you're getting the, the full punishment for whatever it was that you did. You tell the truth, all right, maybe you're not going to get the full punishment for it because you were honest. And so, yes, you punish uh, um, lying, but you also praise honesty. And they'll get to the point, I believe, where, you know, I know you wanted to lie. You told the truth. Now, you're gonna, now your punishment's going to be far less than it would have been had you told me the lie. And probably far less than it would have been if I had just seen that and saw that you didn't do it.
praise honesty, but that is such an important, important thing, an important habit, a bad habit that needs to be broken um, early on is lying. The second thing is this. Turn over to Romans chapter 13. Exactly. There you go. Because I told you the truth. Yeah, I know how fast I was going. I was going 78. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, he's going to be like, well, thank you for being honest. I had you going 76, but if you're going 78, then <laughs> no. But. Yep. Yeah, you just blew your chance. Yep, exactly. Here's another one, and this kind of goes right along with that as well. Disrespect to authority. That's a bad habit that needs to be broken very early. Uh, because the way that they respect authority in their own home is the way that they're going to respect authority when they go to school and with other adults that they come into contact with and the way that they're going to respect the authority over them as they get older in their life, right? Uh, well, look at Romans chapter 13 and verse number 1. Because we're all people under authority in one way or another, all right? I'm the pastor of the church. Nobody tells me what to do. But I'm under authority. I'm under authority to the government. I'm under authority to God. I'm under authority to my wife. I'm under authority to... I'm kidding. I'm not. But, uh, but we all have people that we are under authority to, right? And we all have people that we... I'm under the police authority. If they tell me to get out of the car with your hands up, guess what I better do? You can't talk to me that way. I'm a pastor. I don't care. Get out of the car with your hands up, you know? And that's, and that, you, you look at what's going on in our country right now, right? All these Antifa protests and everything else. Why is that? It's because they have absolutely zero respect for authority. And, and sadly, some police officers that, that abused their authority have kind of ruined it for some of the other ones uh, that are not trying to abuse authority and so on. But, and, and the media exacerbates all of that by making it sound like every police officer out there is corrupt and everything else when, when 99% of them are not. Um, but they've been taught to disrespect authority because you could say whatever you want to. You're your own person. You don't have to listen to what they tell you to do. No, you do. The Bible says that very clearly in, Ro in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You have a kid that's in school with a teacher. That teacher was ordained by God to be the authority over that student. So I don't care who that student thinks he is or who that student's parents are. God put that teacher in there as an authority over you. You be subject to that authority. Verse number five. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Parents, teachers, government officials, you know, pastors, bosses, police officers. I mean, there's so many people that we're subject to when it comes to having people that are in authority over us. Same way that we talk about with a husband and wife. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're any more important as a person than you are, but they have the authority over you, and you ought to, you ought to respond to that authority. He Hebrews chapter 13. In fact, go ahead and turn over to he Hebrews chapter 13. While you're turning over there, I'm going to go ahead and read to you a verse that you're familiar with. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 5 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. A servant has a master, and what did God tell him? You treat your master the same way that you would treat Christ. You're in subjection to him. Right? And that's 
obviously it was different back in the Bible times. That's literally somebody who's working for another person. That's your boss. You have a boss over you. He tells you what to do and you ought to do it. Amen. He's your boss. God, you put yourself under him because you're working for him and God put him in that position of authority. So follow the authority. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Now, Hebrews 13, 7 is not written to children. It's written to Christians. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And we could take that in a lot of different directions, talk about a lot of the ways that that applies, but, you know, especially when it comes to, um, you know, the job of the pastor. Now, it doesn't mean that I have absolute authority over you. I tell you what to do. If I tell you to jump three feet, you better jump three feet. It's not that, but God does give people who rule over us in those positions. And the reason why is I'm the one that's going to answer for, to God for the way that this church goes. And if, you, if you're not willing to put yourself under that authority, then you're, you're really ruining it for yourself is what God's saying. They're not doing it because they're trying to be, you know, Mr. R, I got you under my thumb and I'm going to tell you what to do. It's because I have to answer to God for what happens here. I have to answer for, to God for the way that this church goes. Amen. If you're not willing to put yourself under that authority that God's put over your life, then you're missing out on what God would have for you. Amen. Now, turn over to Deuteronomy 21. I want to read you this. This is important for the kids to see. God took the disrespect of a child very seriously in the Old Testament. And I can tell you this. You better be thankful that we're not living in the Old Testament times anymore. Uh, because look what God says in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. Could you imagine this happening today? Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that, when they've chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gates of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put away evil from among you. And all Israel shall hear and, hear and fear. Amen. I mean, hey, my kid's rebellious and stubborn. Kill him. But that's what they did. And that was what the law was. The, the Israelite law was that if you had a son that was stubborn and rebellious and you, you disciplined him and he didn't respond to that discipline, there's no other choice. Take him to the elders of the city and what are they going to do? Stone him till he dies. That's pretty serious. And I know that we don't do that kind of stuff today, but that's that. all I say is that's how serious God takes it. That a child that is disrespectful and, and disrespectful of authority, everyone answers to someone. Second Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So an attitude of, of disrespecting authority creates a dangerous habit in a child. And the reason why is what's going to happen is it's going to lead to an attitude of entitlement. It's going to lead to an, uh, a lack of proper humility. Um, we're seeing more and more of that today. That's why you have kids, you know, getting up and walking out of school. What was that, a year ago or so? The, the kids, maybe not even that long, uh, they had a protest, a climate change protest or something like that, and all the kids just got up and walked out of school. 
I mean, that would have been unheard of even 20 years ago, let alone 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know? They'd have whipped all them kids in front of everybody and put them back in their, in their seats, you know? Why is that, though? Because they don't care about who, who the authority is. I don't care what you tell me I can and can't do. I'm not doing it. I mean, you see videos all the time, or at least hear about these stories happening all the time, of, of kids hitting their teachers and punching the teacher and knocking the teacher out and everything. Why is that? It's because they've been taught to disrespect authority. Because they were, it, the parents never got on that. They never told them, don't do that. You're not going to disrespect authority. And why does that end up happening? Because the parents, number one, are so busy doing everything else that they don't have time for their children and they, they, they fail the responsibility of being a parent. And now we're raising a generation of kids that have zero respect for authority. And they'll end up suffering for it later, later in life when the real world catches up with them. You know? Try disrespecting your boss. Fine, see ya. <laughs> you can disrespect your teacher all you want to. There's very few consequences for that. Disrespect your boss and see if you still have a job tomorrow. You know? And then, then they get fired and, oh, you can't do that. Yes, I can. I'm your boss and you disrespected me. You don't have a job. Go somewhere else, you know? That's when the real world catches up to them. And so they need to learn a respectful disposition to those that are in authority over them. And again, you know, th that doesn't mean that they can't disagree with that authority or that they can't challenge that authority necessarily, particularly when that authority abuses the power that was given to them. But it's important to teach children to always respect authority and to submit authority, su submit to authority with grace and with uh, respect. Uh, I believe that a, a child should never tell an adult that they're wrong. That adult might be wrong, but a child does not have the right to tell an adult you're wrong. Think it all you want to. Have that bad attitude in your own mind, but number one, it better not show on your face, and number two, it better not come out your lips. You are not the authority. Your parents, your teachers, whoever else is the authority. You have no right to tell an adult or somebody that's in authority that they're wrong. You know, and if, if there's a serious question about the validity of something that an adult has said, uh, then teach your children to learn how to ask for a correction, you know? Uh, let's just say, and I'll give you this as an example, that a, a father tells his son that he needs to, to put six quarts of oil in the tank after he uh, empties the oil out of the tank. And, you know, he's changing the oil in his car. Typically, five is correct. I mean, it's always different, but let's just say for this example that five is the right number that you need to put in there. A son happens to read or know that five quarts is the right amount to put in that, in that oil tank, not six. And if you overfill it, you could do some damage to the car and everything else. So instead of saying, Dad, you're wrong, it says right here that there should only be five in that, in that, in that oil tank. You know, a, a son should learn to say it in the right way, usually, usually in the form of a question. Dad, are, are you sure six quarts is the right amount? I think, it might only be I think it might only supposed to be five quarts, right? There's a huge difference in the way that you say that, right? If Jackson says, Dad, you're wrong, it says right here it's, it's, it's five quarts, not six. Okay, automatically that makes me think, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know how that is when somebody treats you that way? Who, who, wait a second. Who's, who's the one in charge here? But if he says, Dad, are, are you sure it's six quarts? Because I, I think I read that it was five. See the difference? I mean, he's correcting me, but he's saying it in a completely different way, and that's not disrespecting authority. He knows that if he doesn't say something about it, that I might end up putting six quarts in the oil tank, and that would be, you know, worse than him asking, you know, then I would say, why didn't you ask me about that? You know, why didn't you say something? You read it there. Why didn't you say it? You know, but.
but well, I just, I just didn't want to tell you you were wrong. You don't have to, you know? How you say it has a lot to do with it too. So, you know, let the dad realize his mistake and correct it. At that point, it's up to the father to admit his mistake, but it's not the job of the child to correct his father. And that's where we're teaching them uh, respect for authority. And that's, that's vital to, to lasting relationships and it's vital to earning respect themselves. If, if you give respect, you're going to get respect. And if you give disrespect and, and rebellion and all this stuff, that's exactly what you're going to get back. So, you know, it, it, it's all, I mean, all of it goes in line with that. The way that the, the, the fathers that are being portrayed in TV today, you know, I mean, you see a commercial and, you know, they're trying to make the dad look like the dummy in the whole, you know, the whole commercial, you know. Dad, you don't know what you're doing. We should have got this new thing a long time ago, you know. And, and, and. Don't tell me that kids don't pay attention to that and notice, you know, dad's the dummy. And that's what we're teaching them. So parents ought to demand respect from their children. And, and here's another thing. Parents, fathers, fathers ought to demand respect from the children for their mother. And my kids learned that early on. You do not disrespect your mother. Just because she's smaller and, you know, weaker and everything else, you do not disrespect your mother ever. That's one thing my dad drilled into us hard. <laughs> you don't talk back. You know, you get to be a teenager and you get mouthy and you think you have all this, you know, I'm, I'm taller than you now, Mom. I can see the top of your head and everything else, you know. And then you get mouthy with her. It only happened once or twice. I can tell you that much. And, and you know, I'm not saying that my dad hauled off and slugged me in the mouth or something like that, but hard consequences. Your dad did or you did that to Holly? <laughs> so lack of respect should be met with very heavy consequences all right these will go pretty quick number three things that we ought to break early is unkind words words are very important words are very important matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 oh generation of vipers turn over there i want you to see this this is this is i've mentioned this before but this is important i want you to see how important words are Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and obviously he had to, you know, the Pharisees were anti-God, huh? Matthew chapter 12. Um, the Pharisees were anti-Jesus from the time that he started his ministry, and so he was constantly calling out their hypocrisy and everything else. He says this, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man... Out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Now get this. This is, this is the key here. Verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Think about that. I mean, that would certainly include curse words. That would certainly include taking God's name in vain. That would certainly include, you know, some of the obvious things that we hear. But things that, that, you're, that you say that just, I mean, who knows what all fits into that idle words. But God is writing every one of those things down. And in the day of judgment, we are going to give an account for every idle word that we spoke. Tell me that God doesn't think that words are important. Words are very important. Clearly, the words that we choose affect those that they're directed toward, and unkind words wound people deeply. Um, maybe you can think of something that somebody said to you one time that you still think about. 
because it hurt. Maybe you can think of something that you said to somebody else that was unkind that you still think about because you know it hurt that person. Um, but they can, you know, they, they can hurt and, and they can cause great damage. Um, there was, there was, um, there was a kid that I was in high school with. Uh, I just, I di- didn't really like him. He was, he was a loud mouth. He did stupid things to get attention. You know, the type of person that that is. And I wasn't like that when I was in high school. And, and, you know, so I, I decided that I was going to go about being kind to him on purpose, not to try to get back at him or anything like that, but, but just, I think it was a message that was preached or something like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to be a friend to that kid. And so uh, after about six months, uh, I noticed at least a little bit of change in him, and we actually ended up becoming pretty decent friends. And uh, uh, I'd like to think that, that that had a positive impact on his life as well. But I felt completely, about, completely different about him when I decided to become his friend, when I decided to actively be friends with him. And, you know, the easiest thing to do with somebody that you don't like is obviously to say unkind things to him, pick pick on them and bully them or whatever else. And, and there, there's times to disagree, to argue, to fight, but there's never a reason to be unkind. And I won't have you turn over there because we, we're, we're um, getting low on time, but Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Those next few verses are, are very good too, but verse 32, and be ye kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The earlier our our kids develop a vocabulary of kind words, the better it's going to be for them as they get older. Here's number four that goes right along with that, and that's aggressive behavior. And I'm not talking about kids being kids, boys being boys and roughhousing and all of that kind of stuff, being tough. I mean, those are those are normal, natural things. And that's that's another reason why we're raising a generation of snowflakes is because they're not allowed to be men. And I'll let it go be boys, you know. Don't get dirty, you know. Don't put a don't get a grass stain on your knee. Those are your cute little skinny jean pants that you have on, you know. Uh, you know, don't want to get a germ in your nose because then you might actually develop an immunity to it, and that won't be good for later on when you need an excuse to get out of work, you know. Uh, and I'm not talking about that. I mean, we ought to let our boys be rough, to at least to a certain extent. Um, but what I'm talking about is, is the same thing as unkind words that translate into unkind actions. Um, that's how bullies are born. And, and that can be taken a step further. I, su- I suppose it's because I ride with the police a lot. I, I have an interest in crime and, you know, kind of the mindset behind it. And so I've done some, some research and listened to a few podcasts on different serial killers where they, where they actually get into the, you know, the... the psychology of a killer, what makes them think like they think, and what makes them do what they do. And with, with a lot of these serial killers, one of, the, uh, one of the biggest things that a lot of them started out with is, is cruelty to animals, you know, killing dogs and killing cats just for the sake of killing them. And look, I don't have a problem with somebody going shooting a deer and eating it and whatever else. I mean, God, God, God gave us uh, dominion over the animals. He gave us you know, these animals for food and everything else. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you kill something just to kill it, that's, that's totally different. But a lot, of these, a lot of these kids that end up becoming serial killers um, grew up, you know, torturing cats and dogs and, you know, anything they could get their hands on. 
And it doesn't, I mean, that, you know, it doesn't always mean that that person is going to become a serial killer, but then it turned into cruelty with their friends, and they would just, you know, they would do cruel things to their friends just because they could. And there, there are a lot of signs that are exhibited by children that, that go on to become criminals, but that's one of the biggest signs, aggressive behavior, uh, being a bully, just, just being mean for the sake of being mean, you know? Uh, the Bible has something to say about that. In fact, uh, in Proverbs, and I won't have you turn there, but the Bible says that in Proverbs, a, a foolish man regardeth not the life of his beast. You know what that means? It means you don't take care of your animals. You, you're cruel to them. Uh, and, you know, it, it goes on. But when you notice behavior like that, you have to intervene with your children as soon as, as, soon as possible uh, to prevent other kids and, and animals and everything else from being hurt. But um, the, there's reasons that a child will, uh, will exhibit aggressive behavior. Uh, it's important to find out the reason why they're doing that by observing and by listening. Look, sometimes they might just be defending themselves, and so they lash out at some kid that's been a bully. I mean, that's different. You know, that's not necessarily aggressive behavior. Many times, it's a, it's a coping mechanism that they use to deal with stress or feelings of insecurity or whatever else. And again, you know, uh, there was no such thing as feelings of insecurity in 1950, you know? <laughs> go out there and go to school and be a kid. You know, what do you mean? What are you talking about, feelings of insecurity? But we're living in a different age. We're living in an age when it used to be that word would start to spread and it would take a couple of weeks for everybody to find out about this thing. Now, all it takes is a lie about somebody on social media and everybody in the whole school knows about it. You know, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a different age that we're living in. But one of the best deterrents to that type of behavior is, is to allow, allowing kids to grow up in a stable home environment. You know, many of these kids that grew up to be serial killers had a mother that was either really, really dominant over them and over, over uh, her husband, or there was no dad in the picture, and the mom treated him like a little baby in his entire life. I mean, there's a lot of different things that, that go into that, and so a stable home environment has a lot to do with that, where the parents love each other and so on. Uh, but if that behavior is allowed or reinforced, it's going to continue, you know? Don't allow that aggressive behavior. It's best, best to stop it immediately when it happens. Remain calm and then enforce the consequences for being that way. Uh, you ought not to let them say unkind things to them, to their brothers and sisters, to their, uh, to their friends, and you certainly ought not to let them do unkind things to them. Here's the last one and we're done. Laziness. Laziness. Children need to be taught to take responsible, responsibility for themselves early. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 14, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Hebrews 6 and verse 12, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, otherwise they can come to expect their parents to do everything for them. And boy, if, if we don't see that nowadays, you know, your parents do everything for you and you finally get out on your own. You have no idea how to do anything. Can't wash clothes, can't iron clothes, can't hang up clothes, can't pull them, can't wash dishes, can't do any of these things, you know? And why is that? It's not because, well, he's, he's so busy out there in the field milking the cows and, and feeding the horses and all this stuff that I just didn't have time to teach him how to wash clothes. No, it's that he's sitting in the, in the bedroom playing video games and watching TV and you don't make him do anything. And that's, you know, that's a habit that needs to be broken early. They're not just going to you know, lounge around their entire lives until they turn 18 and all of a sudden they know how to go work and you know, get a job and be a hard worker. It doesn't happen. It needs to be taught to them early, and laziness is something that is bound in the heart of a child, you know? If you allow a kid to be lazy, guess what he's going to do? Well, Dad, I know you said I could sit around and play video games this afternoon, but I think I'm actually going to go out and mow the yard and sweep up the, uh, you know, the driveway. 
I'm just feeling a little lazy today, so, you know, I'll get to the other stuff tomorrow. No, kids are not going to do that. They're going to do everything they can to get out of work, right? Well, I know you said to mow the grass today, Dad, but I've got a little bit of a runny nose, and I think my allergies are getting to me a little bit. You think I can do it tomorrow or next week, right? They're going to try to get out of everything that they can get out of because everybody's naturally lazy. You know, we have to be taught to work. We have to be taught. We have to be taught how to not be lazy. And so, instilling a good work ethic starts by giving them chores to do around the house at a young age. You know, we have, we have a chore chart uh, that helps. They get points. They don't just get to go play. And we don't have video games, but we have an iPad that they can. You know, that that has a couple of games on it. They don't just get to sit around and play the iPad whenever they want to sit around and play the iPad. They earn it. And the way they earn it is by doing their chores, and every one of the chores that we have has a point value associated with it. And it's not, oh, good job, you made your bed this morning. You have enough points to play on the iPad. No, it's you do all of these chores two or three days in a row, and you have enough points to go play 30 minutes on the iPad. Or you can do this, or you can do this. So you decide if the iPad is more important than going and doing that thing that you really wanted to do. It, number one, it, it makes them make decisions but number two, it shows them that the iPad is just something that you get to do after all of your work is done and after you've spent time working on all of these other things. And if you think that iPad is more important than some of these other things that you'd like to do. So go spend your points. But you're going to earn the points, and you're, you're only, you know, that's the only time you're going to play on these things. And it doesn't mean that, you know, okay, we, we're sitting around at the end of the night or something like that, and they want to watch, like, some kind of PBS kids program for 30 minutes or something like that. Nope, you don't have enough points. You go to bed. These two can sit out here and watch it. You know, it's not that, but, so, you know, you, we can do some of those kind of things, but the things that would lend themselves to laziness, they earn it. So it's not laziness at that point because they're earning the, the privilege of being able to spend 30 minutes on the iPad or whatever it is. So when they develop a habit of taking care of their things, you know, add a chore to, to uh, you know, uh, pretending to a common area, clean the car, you know, wash the dishes, whatever else. But you start by making them make their beds. You start by making them, you know, uh, put their clothes away. You start by making them do these things that everybody should know how to do in the first place anyway. So, and then encourage and reward their work when they deserve it. You know, that'll teach them to strive for good work, you know. Well, I made my bed. And you go in there and the, and the covers are hanging from the ceiling halfway in the little corner of it's on the bed. No, you didn't make your bed, you know. You didn't earn that. You make your bed the right way, and then you get the reward of doing that work. So starting as early as possible will make a difference. That work ethic will ultimately transfer into their spiritual lives. Because I can tell you that a kid that grows up with a good, strong work ethic, when they get into church and they get involved in it, they're going to want to get out there and knock on doors. They're going to want to get out there and be involved in the ministries and things like that. A kid that's lazy is going to be lazy in every area of their life including in those spiritual things, too. They're not going to want to read their Bible because, well, I'm, I'm playing video games today. You know, I'm 28, but I've got a lot of games to play before, the, you know, before 3 o'clock in the morning rolls around. You know? That's what happens. I mean, that's why kids at 35 years old are still living in their parents' basement, you know, going to eight hours of work and flying home so they can sit down and play video games till they can't keep their eyeballs open anymore. And, you know, and, and that's what we're producing because of that laziness. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, Serving the Lord. So it's important to jump on these things early. And I'm sorry we're a little bit longer. We, we went a little bit longer with some of the early things than we normally do. But if you wait until you think they're old enough to thoroughly understand all of these things, you're already too late. 
Because by the time they're 8, 9, 10 years old, they've already been lying for five years. <laughs> you know? By the time they're 8, 9, 10 years old, they've already been lazy for five years. By the time, you know, they're punching the teacher in the face at school, they've already had a bad attitude and they've already, you know, they've already been all of these things. So it's important that we get on it early and often. And if we don't, we're, 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 not only are we not doing the things that we have as responsibility, uh, that, that are responsibilities as parents, we're hurting them, you know? Letting them talk back to you is not, oh, well, I just don't want any conflict. No, it's not. That, it, it's hurting them because they're going to get up and they're going to get slapped in the face by reality when they get old enough to be out on their own, you know? They're lazy. They're going to get slapped in the face when they can't get a job because they're lazy and nobody wants to keep them, you know, they, they can't keep a job. It's hurting them. And, they, and that's, that's why I say these things, I mean, you talk about laziness, you talk about, uh, you know, the things you say, and they're very practical things, but they're also very spiritual things, too. We're training them, and that's why the Bible is such a, a, a relevant book to today, because it matters. And when you do what the Bible says, you're helping them, and you're helping them develop these things. So our ultimate goal is to raise children that are going to go out and serve God to the best of their ability. And a big part of that responsibility as a parent is to help them to reach their full potential. And when we fail to teach them those things, when we fail to teach them honesty, when we fail to teach them respect, when we fail to teach them kindness in the way that they speak and in the way that they act, when we fail to teach them uh, the value of hard work, then we failed in making them as successful as they can be for God's service. We failed in making them as useful as they can be for God. That's why it's important that we do these things. And that's why, important, that's why it's important that you get on it early. If you don't get on it early, then it's going to be too late. You've moved from a cavity that can be fixed pretty easily to a giant gaping hole in your head that can, only be take that, that can only be taken care of with a gigantic root canal and a whole lot of money and a whole lot of pain and everything else. And that's why we got to do it. That's why we have to do it. Correcting the behaviors that need to be broken in our family. Uh, hopefully it's helpful. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the time we can spend together tonight. I pray that you would help us as we try to do these things to, to raise kids that are going to serve you with their whole hearts and souls and minds, and I pray that you help us to do the same. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.